Uh, last week I was sharing with you around this uh, kind of this, this fundamental, fundamental perspective that we have in this tradition, and it's connected with the kind of meditation that we do called Vipassana meditation. And I was mentioning that this word Vipassana, it's a, it comes from the Pali language, Pali being the early scriptural language of Buddhism, and it, it literally means to see clearly. And I want to continue. I began talking about this uh, last week, and I'm going to continue this week as well. And this way of seeing clearly, or you could say being aware clearly, uh, it's like we're trying to, to uh, really cultivate certain ways to see or certain ways to be aware. Like the one example I was just that came to mind is that I've um, just recently I've been having some structural issues with my body and I've had to go see a body worker. And it's actually so amazing. <laughs> It's so cool because uh, part of the work is just cultivating particular, uh, a particular kind of awareness around particular parts of my body, in particular my right shoulder there was something going on. And just bringing some awareness to it really allows something different to happen in the body because of this particular cultivation of, of uh, being aware. And in the same way with this meditation practice and then hopefully off the cushion too in our daily lives, we're actually doing the same thing. We're, we're, we're trying to cultivate particular kinds of awareness that allows for uh, not only a shift in the body, but you could say in, a shift in, in our being or a shift in how we are in the world. And I think that's the, the powerful thing that we're doing here is to be aware or to see clearly so we can be in the world in a different way. And last week what I was sharing with you is one of these teachings in early Buddhism called, uh, the Pali word is tilakana, which means these three characteristics. You could say more precisely these three ways of seeing, these three ways of being aware of our experience. And I uh, shared with you, it's usually talked about in, in terms of seeing that experience is impermanent. And if it's impermanent, that means it's unreliable. And if it's impermanent and unreliable, that means that there's not a me, there's not a self there. And so we cultivate these three, three ways of seeing. And, and the, the language I was using last week that I want to continue with is a kind of translation of impermanent, unreliable, and not self is that it's, it's not permanent, it's not perfect, which we went over last, last week, and it's not personal. And that's what I want to go over this week is it's not personal. And some of you might remember last week, I, I took some time to share with you getting the sense that yeah, my experience is not perfect. And seeing that when I feel disappointed, it's actually a gateway into seeing my expectations. Because when I'm disappointed, often there's some expectation at work in my life. And, and what I've found is that seeing those ex expectations can create a loosening or an easing in my heart. It's like, oh, this, this is why I'm having a hard time, because it's, it's how my mind's relating to this experience. I have this expectation. You know, for, I think my example last week, for my phone con to continue to work all the time. That's what I'm looking at. That's the phone I want. And it doesn't happen, and then I'm bummed out, and it's because I have this expectation. So this week, it's about uh, that experience is also not personal. Because you might have noticed, right, when you, one way that these minds create Stress is when we take things personally. 
And so I find this very helpful. And so this is what I want to go into to detail with is, is how the mind takes things personally and how we can unhook from that. Those two things. And maybe start with, um, if I can find it. A cartoon here, and you might not be able to see it, so I'll describe it. So there's, it's a picture of a, um, of a patient. And there's a doctor standing right next to the patient. And the doctor is holding a little monkey. And the monkey has some symbols, you know, that you'd use like in a, in a band or something like that. And the doctor says to the patient, we found this in your brain. <laughs> Maybe you can relate. <laughs> Maybe it's not symbols. Maybe it's a trumpet or something like that. Huh? But just this is, is all I'm really talking about tonight. I'm just talking about the cartoon because that's the big shift. It's just there's, just, there's just a monkey in there. It has nothing to do with me. And that's the hook is when I identify with the monkey with the symbols. That's, that's the big hook. So whether it be your anxieties or the frustrations that visit you or the feeling of depression or fear, or your addictions, or that judgmental mind, or the self-hatred. Or sometimes it can gravitate around this taking things personally around uh, illness or injuries that we have, or ways, of, uh, ways that people have done us wrong. And then what happens with those kind of, you could say, monkeys is that then we, we actually confine ourselves around those experiences. We define ourselves in a way that creates suffering. I take it personally. And then when I take it personally, it hurts even more. So we have something that sort of kind of hurts. And then we take it personally. And then it really hurts. The sort of kind of hurting, that's just the way life is. It's the really hurting that we're trying to address through this practice and through this exploration that we're doing here together. Through this particular way of being aware, just as I was being aware of my shoulder in a particular way, because then that gave some relief. If I'm aware of experience in this particular way, it can bring relief. And the shift is beginning instead to see these experiences, the anxieties, the frustrations, the fears, the addictions, as just conditions arising and passing away. This is all it is. So one story about this, there was a, a colleague of mine and, and we were on a kind of a, a gathering slash retreat together. And it was, a, it was a special time. A lot of practitioners gotten together to kind of explore some things together and just to connect. And while she was there, she had a bout of um, this re really serious fatigue coming up. And it's this, this kind of recurring um, illness that she has. It's, it's connected with Lyme disease, but some other things that have kind of just uh, knocked her system in a really challenging place. And so there she was on the retreat and she had this real serious bout of fatigue and weakness. 
and it made it so it was very difficult for her just to spend time with us because she needed to be in bed. And, and when she was checking in, when she had a, a little bit of energy, she was just saying how sad she was that she wasn't actually, she had traveled all this distance, but she couldn't participate in this precious time together. And it was weighing on her heart. And then she paused for actually a while. And you could see that her whole demeanor, her whole expression changed. And she said, oh, yet I know that these are just conditions that arise and pass away in my life. They actually have nothing to do with me. And then she smiled and she said, and actually, I'm really okay. And for me, that was the expression of freedom, of freedom in the midst of difficulty. It wasn't like, you know, hopefully there's some kind of cure for her. There might not be. But regardless, she's still going to find freedom in her life in the midst of that illness that she has. And I share that, that story because around illness, it's really, you don't even have to say illness. It could just pick your favorite hook. It could be illness or it could be, you know, the embarrassing situation that you were in or how you got hurt or the anxiety or a broken heart. But it's amazing. We take that primary experience, let's say like illness, and then how we give ourselves a hard time about it. You know, if something difficult happens, sometimes then we say, you know, we, we beat ourselves up of that we should have prevented it, for, prevented um, ourselves from going down that road. Or we didn't do a, a good enough job to make sure that we didn't end up in the predicament that we're in. Or we see that illness or that difficulty as just an example of the weak person we truly are. And then... And then it, it snowballs, the feeling of shame, or I'm never going to feel different. Right? Do you know this, this cascading of taking experience personally? And that pain, that, how, how we're, we're adding to already how difficult life is. And there it is. Then it's all about me, and usually it's an all about a kind of me where I'm a horrible person or I didn't get it right. What I found in my life is taking it personally hasn't helped me one bit. <laughs> and yes, I, I might reflect on what I did and I want to take responsibility for how I engage in the world. But that's different than using those situations to create who I am. Those are two radically different things. And I think this is something that we're trying to understand with the practice is that, yeah, bad things happen and then I might, might reflect on kind of maybe that I, I did something not so skillful. But doing something not so skillful doesn't mean that I am a bad person. It just means I did something unskillful. But the next step is when I take it personally and then I create a me out of it, a me that's bad. This is so important to understand is the feeling of when I'm taking it personally and when... I'm just having a hard time. They feel different to me. And to me, this is what's the, the promise of this path is, is I can have freedom in the midst of, of the difficulty of what it is to be a human being. 
I mean, I haven't figured out how to live a life where it's just easy sailing being a human being. If somebody's figured that out, let me know. This is pretty good. And, and I also, I don't want to minimize that. I think the, the depth of freedom that can happen when we deeply explore this, I think, is limitless. So I don't mean to make it superficial, but to, to be able to be free in whatever circumstances face us, that's powerful. I think that, that's the thing that I feel really changes the world. And then I also find that when I practice this on the good days, that when I confront someone else in my life that gets angry at me and actually wants me to take what they're saying personally, <laughs> no, I, I, I actually, what I said, I do mean it personally. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> then I can still hold that in the same way of like, oh yeah, oh, I don't have to even take that personally. This is just causes and conditions arising. And I notice when my mind is not as hooked by that, what naturally arises often in those situations is compassion for myself and the other person. It's like, oh, I have the capacity for the heart to remain open. And that doesn't mean, again, that I don't have boundaries or I'm not clearly navigating that. There's, you know, all kinds of skillful ways we need to navigate people. But it's just what space our hearts are in. So, yeah, not taking it personally and dividing that of, yes, and I'm still responsible for what I do in the world. And this is the dance. Can I still be responsible, but not take it personally? So it's just like the body work. I'm, I'm, I'm cultivating this awareness of uh, not seeing experience as personal. How do I do this? And this is probably the, the, the phrase that I shared last week. And if I didn't share it last week, I've probably shared it at least 10,000 times is often uh, in, during the day or in my sitting meditation, sometimes I'll just use a phrase like, oh, it's just like this right now. Interesting. Oh, that's what's going on. Oh, interesting. Anxiety. Interesting. Oh, yeah, it's just like this. Oh, yeah, I can feel it in my stomach. Oh, there's a tightness there. There's a tightness in the breathing. Yep, anxiety. Oh, there's frustration. There it is. Yep, oh, fear. Yeah, there's fear. Oh, there's the, there's the judgmental mind judging myself again. Oh, interesting. Oh, and it's like this. So what I want to point out with is just like this or using these labels. And I find using labels, naming what's going on is very helpful to take moments in your sitting meditation to name what's going on. Name the emotion that's there. Name whatever else is happening. Oh, hearing is happening. Breathing is happening. Because when I label like that, what I want to point out is what's not in that label. What's not in that label? Me. It's not me. It's just anger arising. That's not me. That's just fear. It just comes and goes. That's just, that's just the way this mind and body work. Yep, this, this mind and body has this habit of frustration. Interesting. Yeah, there it is again. Yeah, I turn on the news. Oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Frustration. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I've been, I've felt emboldened. So I've been at times reading um, news outlets that um, I find to be very unpleasant, that I don't like. 
just to see what that's like. Oh, interesting. Oh, this is such a different point of view. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is really interesting. How, what's this like? Oh, huh. It's just like this. So two things, labeling and then the curiosity. That's why I use the word interesting. That's how I do this. So it's very simple. What we're doing, what makes meditation so difficult is it's so simple. Because we're just trying to be aware in a particular way. It's just like paying attention to my shoulder. It's so simple. It's just a, a, a slight shift. That's all we're doing. And it's this way of being aware that allows me to be in the world in a different way. And, and hopefully you're hearing that. When I don't take things personally, my heart's at ease. I can still, I can relate. I can be in the world in a different way. I can relate to myself in a different way and others in a different way. There's also another way to understand that all of this that's happening in your experience is not personal. And I want to share a story about that. This um, is something that happened many, many years ago when I was doing more trauma work. And I was working with a woman who had been in a, in a whole series of abusive relationships and really this cycle of these abusive relationships. And as we began to work and work, there, uh, uh, there really was some really deep, deep healing and during that time, this healing time, she began to realize that she was actually healing a dynamic that stretched back for her, uh, really, for generations in, in various forms, really this, this lineage of, of the women in her family. And it was during this time that she, she started to have this feeling of stopping a dynamic that went beyond her own life. It was really quite striking. You know, she started to have these dreams, and from her, you know, worldview, yours might be different. It was this palpable inner sense of, of feeling supported by her ancestors, especially her, her uh, ancestors who were women, and it felt like they were coming. She said they were coming to her and thanking her for the work that she was doing to heal something that had been going on for such a long time. So is, is the sense of how her healing extended so much beyond her personal life. And really, she wasn't working with her personal life. She was just working with, with what she inherited. And then through really taking responsibility for it and not taking it personally, there was healing that happened that went beyond, well beyond her own life. So I want to point out, when, when we do a spiritual practice like this, we're, we're confronting things that are, in essence, not personal. You've just inherited them. Like I, I often will say that you, your mind is society. It's, that's all it is. It's been shaped by society. That's what you're noticing. The fears, the anxiety, the anger. You can say that, that came from society and family. You just are the inheritor of it. Why, why would you take that personally? It's kind of a silly thing to take personally. And what would it be like to take responsibility for it? 
what a powerful gift to give to the world to actually stop those kinds of dynamics that you've inherited. And that requires of you not to take them personally because they're so much bigger than your small little life. And I think this sense of this broader understanding of that all of this is not personal also can provide a, another uh, way of understanding a notion that you find in early Buddhism, really all of uh, uh, Buddhism, uh, of rebirth. And rebirth is a tricky, can be a tricky notion for modern people. And, and so that's why I think it's, it's helpful to have different narratives of maybe what rebirth is all about. So I want to connect it to this in a little, a little way. The Tibetan teacher Chogyam Trinkpa once uh, somebody asked him, uh, what, what gets reborn? And he said, your bad habits. That's what gets reborn. <laughs> and maybe that's just what's going on, is there's this rebirth of bad habits, generation after generation after generation, through families and societies. And in that sense, what a cool thing to put an end to rebirth, because that's what you know, the narrative of early Buddhism is about, is to stop this perpetuation of old bad habits. And I think there's something inspiring about that kind of ending of rebirth. Wouldn't it be cool to put an end to the rebirth of self-hatred, that it would stop with your life? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, wouldn't that be cool if that this would be the last generation of something like that? or particular fears or anxieties, to know that, that this would be the last generation for that. Well, maybe it'll take a couple more generations, but... <laughs> it gives a whole different sense of what we do when we sit on a cushion or where we engage in a spiritual practice, that it's not, we're not doing something personally. It's much, much bigger than that. You know, it's, you could say it extends back to our ancestors and, and into the future as well. And I think given this maybe more modern approach to rebirth, it gives a different sense of this uh, quote that I'd like to share with you from the Buddha with this kind of sense where he, he's having this conversation with, these, uh, with the monastics and he says, what do you think, monastics, which is more, the stream of tears that you have shed as you, you've roamed and wandered on through this long course, weeping and wailing because of being united with the disagreeable and separated from the agreeable, this, or the water in the four great oceans? And then the monastics reply, as we understand the teachings taught by the Blessed One, Venerable Sir, the stream of tears that we have shed as we've roamed and wandered through this long course, weeping and wailing because of being united with the disagreeable and separated from the agreeable, this alone is more than the water in the four great oceans. What a powerful thing to bring an end to 
that, that immensity of suffering that we inherit as human beings to bring something different into this world, really a different way of being. So again, these two ways of understanding this characteristic of it's not personal. Can you start to have that awareness of what's arising in your meditation practice, in your daily life? It's not about you. It's not me. It's not mine. That's the extra suffering that I add to the difficulty of being a human being. And maybe for some of you also the second way of not taking it personally, that what you're dealing with is just what you've inherited. It has nothing really to do about your personal life in the bigger scheme of things. Okay, so let's take a, a, just a stretch and maybe move your legs a little bit and stand and then in just a minute we'll begin to sit together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.